What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Thursday, September 28th, 2017, and you guys are listening to episode 325. I uh, hope everybody's doing good. Hope everybody had a nice time in between shows. Everybody is doing well. Uh, it is an amazingly nice day. The heat is gone. I'm not a heat guy. I'm really not. That whole, like, you know, people love, like, 90 degrees. Fuck that. I like, you know, 75 and breezy. I'm a fall guy. It's when I was born. I just love it. Today, it's sunny and nice, but it's got that light little, like, that breeze that makes you feel good. Um, So I'm sure I'm going to be outside doing something, especially since I'm going on a serious exercise and diet type of plan. Uh, So I'll talk about that, but... um, Got a great show for you guys today, a lot of stuff to talk about, ton of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on in our country. Um, We got uh, some sports stuff to talk about, Uh, my unacceptable, of course, your guys unacceptable, and uh, yeah, so sit back, relax, and enjoy wherever you may be, in your house, in your car, at your cubicle, hanging out, smoking sticks, drinking whiskey. By the way, I got a whiskey... uh, whiskey recommendation for everybody that or a scotch I had uh, called Arbeg. I will talk about that after. Unbelievable. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's get into the show. Uh, also, thank all my uh, Patreon subscribers and new Patreon subscribers uh, for you people that listen to the Verzi Effect and enjoy it for as little as $3 a month. I do an extra podcast or two a month. There's some video. There's some stuff this week. I have already up a 30-minute uh, discussion with me and Bill Burr in the green room from our show at the Sony Center in Toronto last weekend. That is up. Then I did a whole podcast on the uh, national anthem and the kneeling and Donald Trump and all that stuff. So I'm going to spend very, very little time on that on this show. Just going to just talk about it real quickly but because um, I really don't like to talk about politics on the show anymore. But uh, with everything going on, I had to speak uh, about it, and it's on my Patreon. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty much like I – it was – yeah, I was I, I I just had to say what I had to say because you know too much was going on with it and uh, it's on there too. But it's again it's my centrist you know bullshit independent whole thing on it. But it was uh, something that I felt like I was I I thought I was spot on. That's why the fuck I said it. But anyway, and there's I have another video on there. So the Patreon is really starting to move now. Uh, I want to thank all you guys for it and uh, it's going to keep going. I'm also going to readjust some things with it, so I'll let you guys know about that. But the Patreon stuff keeps coming. So uh, subscribe for as little as $3, and uh, you can get a lot more content. Uh, a few more dollars than that, you get. You just it, it just keeps going up with what you get. But I'm starting to load it up and uh, feed the Patreon uh, more and more. So thank you guys for that. And um, let's get into the show. Before we get into the show, though, I should say for episode 325, which is, I can't believe I'm 75 episodes away from 400. It goes nuts. I remember being at like 150, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to be at 200 soon. Getting close to 400. Um, the Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by Chassis. Chassis for men. Premium body powder. Um, and you know what's really funny about Chassis was a doctor. This is true, guys. I'm not just saying this. A doctor hit me up and said, Paul, thank you for this amazing product. It's, I use it every day. It's absolutely amazing. And, 
And I was like, wow. And this is coming from a doctor. I don't want to say any doctor's names, you know, but it's pretty cool to have like a doctor that's been practicing forever say, hey man, I listened to your podcast and I got the chassis premium body powder and it's, it's, it's one of the, it's amazing product. Um, what is it you say? Well, it is a HydroShield technology powder, uh, which provides you all day protection against sweat, chafing, and odor in your man parts is what it is. Uh, chassis contains no talc, no aluminum, no parabens or menthol. The powder is a fine ultra soft, uh, powder, which goes a long way. One bottle guys gets you three to four months. Even if you use it every day, I use it every day. And sometimes I put a lot more than I should. And I still have the bottle and I've had it for probably almost three months now. So, and I have a ton of it left. Uh, it's awesome. And they have other products too, like the shower primer and, uh, it just, it's, it's just great stuff. You could check it all out and check out all of their products at, uh, chassisformen.com. Uh, they also have a lotion, uh, chassisformen.com or on amazon.com. Chassis is spelled C-H-A-S-S-I-S. That's chassisformen.com or Amazon. Buy your chassis today. It will not disappoint you. It has never disappointed me, and your balls will be like they've never been before. Uh, also, City Living Dog, guys. Go to City Living Dog and check out Coach Mike. Uh, a lot of people have been reaching out to Coach Mike. Our dog is better because of Coach Mike and City Living Dog. You could check out his Facebook Live. You could check out his YouTube. You could check out all that stuff. But um, after having the dog that I had and having him act the way that I had and now the way he's kind of calmed down. Um, I am a firm believer in these dog trainers. These guys dedicate their lives to it. Um, and Coach Mike is uh, no exception. So check that out at citylivingdog.com and uh, check out all his videos, his Instagram, his Twitter, his Facebook, all that stuff. Um, ask him questions, tell him the Versi Effects sent you. And all things comedy, guys. All things comedy. Go to allthingscomedy.com for your favorite comedy podcasts. They also are producing television shows now. They have a record label called All Things Records. Uh, it has great comedy albums on it. They're just doing great things right now. Um, like I said, t they're doing TV shows now. A lot of video content's coming out. They're really kind of um, blowing up into a funnier die, but even more. So uh, I'm happy. And the Verzi Effect, I'm very happy, privileged, and honored to be a part of that network. And they did my special, which will be the first special ever um, produced by All Things Comedy, which is something that I'm really excited about. Uh, so you can check that out. And they're also doing the All Things Comedy Festival in Phoenix in late October, which I think I'm going to be going out for a day or two for. Finalizing that now, but it looks like in the uh, late October time, I'll be out there. I don't know what late October time means, but I mean late dates in October, whatever. Uh, so check that out. You can check them out at allthingscomedy.com and follow them on Twitter at allthingscomedy. There you go. I got them out of the way. Now we can talk. A lot of stuff happening. A lot of people kneeling. A lot of people not kneeling. A lot of people pissed. A lot of people burning jerseys. NFL is in a bad way without this shit. This is the last thing it needs because now people are boycotting it. And you got uh, minorities boycotting it because of Colin Kaepernick. Now you got, uh, you know, people boycotting it because of the National Anthem thing. Uh, you got people sick of the wide receivers, you know, who have the green light to celebrate, doing like gross celebrations and people on. It's just, it's in a bad way. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that more in sports towards the end. But I don't want to get into the, the, the politics of this or the, not even the politics, just the whole, the whole thing. Uh, 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 now, now, half hour, and I said thing. 
So I will give you the abbreviated version if you're not into Patreon. If you're into, if you have the Patreon subscription, you could hear the whole thing of what I said. But I don't want to get into it again. I will say this, okay? I will say this. I guess what I was talking about was um, I am, you know, all for if somebody wants to protest and protest peacefully, that's your right. That's your right, and this country allows you to do that. However, uh, I wouldn't use the national anthem uh, to do it. That's just me. Um, I don't think the guys that are doing it have anything against the military or the country. I think that's their way of showing something. I just think there's other ways to do it. However, I also think that the President of the United States should not say and call people son of a bitches who are football players and athletes and, and, and you know because they're doing a silent protest. Um, I understand his frustration, but then to not call white supremacists and people with fucking swastikas on their arms, to not call those people son of a bitches and just hear them out and say, oh, you know, some of those people on both sides are good. That's really fucked up. And like, that's where you just got to look and be like, all right, dude, that's a little nuts. So I think it just sucks on both sides. It sucks that it's come to this. And uh, that's pretty much all I'll say about it. It just sucks that in 2017, we have to, you know, deal with this and be so divided as a country. Uh, and I was basically something saying along the lines of that, if, uh, you know, this country can be even 70, 30, all on the same page. And it just seems like a, it's been so long since that's happened. And it seems like we're so far off of that. Um, and you know, the left and the right are to blame. It just sucks. The two party system, a bunch of people that can't understand each other. They think they're right. They want to be right. And they just watch their news networks and they, they all fucking suck. So, uh, fuck them. And, uh, there you go. But that's just the gist of it. I really get into the whole thing, uh, a little more on the Patreon, but, um, I just want to watch football. How about that? Can any of these, can, can we just watch football? You know, I don't want to go to ESPN and fucking find out that, you know, this guy's dating Kim Kardashian and she's pregnant now. And how's that going to affect his season? I just want to watch football. I just want to watch sports. Everything is pop culture, TMZ, fucking horse shit. I don't give a shit, all right? I don't care what these people do. You know, if a wide receiver fucking jerks off donkeys in the offseason and that's what he does, like that's his thing to do, I mean, I don't, obviously it'd be weird. If, I mean, that's a crazy example, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care what these guys do. I just want to watch good football. I want to watch competitive football. I want to watch my team play, and, and I just want to watch sports instead of hearing about everything that's going on or what this person tweeted. And I, I, and I can't believe a fucking president is tweeting at athletes and shit. It's just nuts. It's nuts. So, um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just, I think that, uh, you know, there's just people that are too kind and then there's people that are just assholes. And I don't, I think that there needs to be a medium. Speaking of too kind, um, Something happened. This is one thing I wanted to talk about on the show today. I wanted to talk about people who are nice and good-hearted people, people who are um, people who are, are kind-hearted, and people who um, do the right thing out of the gate and expect that of others, um, only to be shit on. And I got to be honest here. This has happened with me a little bit in the business, um, where I feel like my kindness has been mistaken for weakness. Uh, of course, I'm not going to get into names. I would never do that. But, you know, there were things that happened with my special. There were things that have happened, you know, just with in my career where I'm looked at by people as very nice and easy to work with. 
Um, oh my God, you know, and I'm, I'm not really not saying this to be, I'm telling you guys the truth because something happened this week where I had to kind of really be firm. And it's like, oh, you know, he's easy to work with and he's, he's understanding and all those things. And what happens when you do that and it happens in life is people look at that as weakness and then they could get away with things. And um, it really is a problem, but it lets me know that sometimes when you see somebody that's a fucking asshole, understand that they might be an asshole because they weren't before or they went through. Now, I'm not saying be a dick or change, change your ways. You are who you are. But one thing that definitely happens, especially, you know, in my business where everybody's their own boss, you know, I can't be fired. Okay. Uh, I have a manager and I have an agent, but I can't be fired. You know, um, my representation works for me and we have a great understanding and we know each other. And when you're with people like that, that's great. But I do have to deal with club owners. I do have to deal with club bookers. I do have to deal with, um, you know, sometimes industry people that you definitely. So even though I can't, you know, be fired and I'm my own boss, you have to deal with people that influence you and influence your money, I should say. They influence, you know, that, that you know, financially, uh, when this is what you do for a living, it, it's something that, you know, you have to understand that, wow, that person may be a fucking cunt, but you know what? That cunt is going to give me, you know, $3,000, you know, tonight or, or whatever. So, um, one thing that I found was that I would be so nice to people or I would be understanding and think that they were on the same page and understood. And then all of a sudden things would change. And then now I have to go, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This is what, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, what happened? It's like, no, what happened? Here's what happened. What happened was you mistaked, you, you mistook my kindness for weakness. You thought when I was like that, you could walk all over me. And to be quite honest, that's kind of what happened with the first special in a way. Because the communication wasn't there and the communication was, you know, I, I, without using names, I could remember I was on a meeting with a very big company, maybe the biggest company that does specials in the, in the world. I could actually honestly say that. And they were like, they even said to me on the phone, like, wow, man, you are easy to work with. Man. We have so many guys that are prima donnas and pain in the asses and this is going to be great. And then things fell apart because the miscommunication, that's where they thought it ended. And they didn't realize who, that they, who they were dealing with because I'm a very nice person, down to earth person. But if you fuck with me, if you fuck with my family and if you fuck with my money, um, it's not going to be pretty when I get upset. That's just really what it is. Um, and I would expect anybody who, you know, is, is you know, somewhat of a normal human being. That's the thing. You know, you treat people the way you want to be treated, but if they fuck you over or if they try to take advantage of you and do something to hurt you, which could ultimately hurt your family and your, and your life, that, that's, that can't happen. So whoever's listening to this, and I know that I have good people listening to this, don't let your kindness be mistaken for weakness. Don't let anybody try to take advantage of you. A lot of those people don't think you know when you do know. And a lot of pieces of shit they're so short-sighted and they're so ignorant and they don't know. They don't realize that we know. A lot of times they think, oh, because that person's nice, oh, they don't know. We could get away with that. No, they know. They're just a better person than you. They know what's happening, you know, and they choose to, ch- and, but then something's going to happen where that person snaps. Something's going to happen where that person goes, no, I know what you did. And you have to be able to just tell that person, you know, look, man, you got to go fuck yourself. It's over. I can't, I can't deal with you anymore. You can't take advantage of me like that. This is my life and this is my money. And, um, I know that there's a lot of good people like that. So just be aware of it. 
Because there are shitty people who try to take advantage of kindness because they're not kind and they're selfish. And um, I, when, when I saw it happen to me a couple times, I was like, all right. And I remember great advice Bill Burr gave me many years ago in 2007. Uh, 2007, we were at the bar at the Stress Factory after I opened for him in New Jersey at the Stress Factory. And I remember my manager reached out to Bill to ask him something or if I could work with him again or something like that. And I remember saying to Bill, I go, hey, man, sorry if my manager called you and, like, asked you something. You know, I didn't, I didn't, he just told me he was going to do it. I didn't know. And Bill just goes, Paul, why are you apologizing for your manager doing his job? And he goes, look at me. He goes, don't ever be that nice guy, that, that too nice guy. Don't be that nice guy in this business. That, that. And I just remember being like, wow. You know, that's a kind of a, a you know, because he wasn't saying be an asshole. He, Bill is one of the nicest people in the business. What he was saying was don't be taken advantage of. Don't be overly worried. Like, you know, if people have your best interest at heart and they do things, let them do their job and don't apologize for it and all that stuff. And that's what I'll say. Like a lot of comedians come up to me that I'm friends with that are younger than me. And they're like, man, you know, I'm friends with this headliner. And he told me that like, you know, he wants me to work with him and I'd love to get on the road. Cause I really haven't gotten out of the city and I want to get on the road. But, uh, you know, I just don't want to bother him. What should I do? And I always go, look, they gave you the green light. This is your life. You're a salesperson. The business is you. That's the shit. The business we're in is me. I'm in the business of Paul Verzi Enterprise. That's what it is. And if a headliner says to you, hey, man, I'd love to work with you again. Keep in touch. And four months go by, you're like, oh, I don't want to bother the guy. No. You send him an email and you say, hey, man, four months ago, you mentioned that I'd really love that. I'm trying to get on the road and develop this new material. Anything uh, that you had opened, uh, I'd really appreciate. I make it work, blah, blah, blah. That's what you do. And, and people are, I don't know. I don't want to bother. Then you know what? Then the people that aren't worried about that, they're going to work and you're not going to work. That's what I'm talking about. You know, so somebody who's not, you can't be worried about trying to get work. You know, it's the same thing when you cold call for sales. You know, I used to go door knocking in Queens, selling phone, cable, internet, and I would knock doors till seven o'clock at night. You know, when I was young and I was just, and I first started to get into stand up, and I dropped out of college and I just wanted to make money and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make money and I wanted to do stand up. And stand up was hard to get because nobody knew me. Clubs already were working, established comics, so I had to do contests. I had to do anything that I could to get on stage. I did the urban circuit to get in front of you know black crowds. I would, you know, I remember standing in a bar in New Jersey, and the stage was a Coca Cola crate, and fucking people are eating chicken parm, and TVs are on, and I'm like yelling at them about jokes about my grandmother, and they, they you know, just anything that you could do. And and it's the same, you know, when I had a sales job where I would knock doors to just make money to be able to do that. And the point of what I'm trying to say is um, it's the same thing when you are in the business and you want to work. You can't be the comedian like worried. Yeah, I don't want to bother people. Fine, you're not going to bother them. Sit in your studio apartment. Sit, sit, sit down. Keep going. Doing fucking open mics. You know, in front of 14 comedians with notebooks. To You know, where you're not really getting a good gauge of the fucking joke anyway. That's the other thing. Open mics are horse shit. In New York, most of them. You go there and a bunch of other shitty people. That's the thing. Everybody's shitty at an open mic. So how are you going to listen to one shitty comic? You know, tell another shitty comic, hey, you know, that's a key. I remember one time, oh, that's a keeper. How do you know? What the fuck have you done? What did you do, a pizzeria yesterday? And I'm not trying, listen, I know that I'm not trying to be a dick. And I know that that's how you get on stage sometimes. So if you have to get on stage, I'm not shitting on it. But what I'm saying is 
to not get out of that because you're not hustling and asking for work. It doesn't make sense, you know? And, and, and don't be that guy that's like, yeah, well, you know, I, listen, I didn't want to bother people either. But if I got the green light or when I was hustling and I needed to make money, you know, and I was running around trying to get, you know, gigs and trying to, you know, and my, my girlfriend at the time, she's my wife now, was going to work and uh, I stopped working in corporate America and I would, I did the work to get on stage and to do what I decided to do when I dropped out of college. Um, so don't be that overly nice. Don't be that, I don't want to bother this one. Don't be when somebody says something to you and you know they're taking advantage. Don't just take it all the time. Um, obviously be calculated with it. You know, you got to be calculated with it and be like, all right, I'm going to let that slide, but you know, I'm going to work this in and see where this is going to go. And then if that happens, that's never going to happen again. All that stuff. You got to have a good gauge of it and be, you know, be on your toes with what people are doing with you and be in tune with it. But don't lose opportunities um, that somebody else will get because you're being, you know, because you don't want to bother somebody or you're being too nice. Fuck that. You know, this is stand up comedy is hard, man. Sometimes I sit back and I just can't believe, um, you know, how far I've come from standing in a pizzeria, standing in somebody's living room. And I, I look back and I'm like, no, you know what? It was fucking me. It was me. That's why I've come so far. I've come so far because I got in a car and I was willing to drive to fucking Milwaukee, Wisconsin to probably lose $200. I got as far as I am because I drove to Harlem in an uptown comedy club in front of 250 black audience members to do five or six minutes for zero pay uh, when I lived upstate in Wappinger Falls, New York with my mother and I got in my Toyota Tracel that I fucking bought because I had a $2,000 hit at a casino and I drove it down to Harlem for no money to do that because I had to fucking do it. I drove to Chicago for an audition because I had to fucking do it. So, you know... uh, that, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. So don't, and, and the kindness has hurt me too. Cause I'm sure that there are things that I probably could have done or there were things that I could have, um, had not happened, I guess, uh, been alleviated if I would have just, if I would have just been, you know, a little more stern or not so thankful or not so fucking wide eyed and excited to do it. Meanwhile, this person's fucking you over. This business can be brutal guys. I'm not even kidding. I know a lot of comedians listen to this too. I remember when I first started doing comedy and I did a, a, a bringer show. A bringer show is you got to bring audience members, like three paid audience members at the time. And it's funny because the club that I first did that in, the guy who did that is no longer there, but um, that's a club that I work a lot now is New York Comedy Club on 24th Street. And I remember that uh, they called me up and like, hey, we'd love for you to do our new talent night. Yeah, you just got to bring three paid audience members and you'll go on and you'll do six minutes. And I was all excited and I brought friends from upstate and they're sitting in there. Like, yeah, you'll probably be on around 930, you know, smash cut 11 o'clock. I'm like three Corona's in nervous like I've never been nervous before. They've been in there for about 14 fucking comedians and they just treated me like shit. And instead of me going up being like, hey, that's bullshit, man. You told me 9.30, I'm going on stage at 11, I'm bringing you money. This is bullshit. I just accepted it and kept doing it because I wanted the stage time. And I guess that's something where you're like, all right, you got to swallow it a little bit there. But comedians have the tendency to take that swallowing it and just fucking keep doing it as you get older in the business. 
to the point where like now last year and this year and, and the last couple of years, I have to say no to good money because, you know, I'm worth more than that. And you have to know that too. So uh, moral of the story and the moral of what I'm saying here is don't be that overly kind asshole who gets taken advantage of and everybody knows that when it comes to you, you're too easy, you're too soft and you could be walked all over. Fuck that. Put your foot down and learn from me. If you're a younger comedian doing this or even if you're in the corporate place, in the corporate world right now and you're just trying to get your foot in the door, be smart about it. Understand that there are certain things that you're going to have to, you know, bend for, but don't don't be taken advantage of and you will definitely be respected. And I'll I'll finish this this little piece whatever by saying I've never got more respect in the business than when I walked away from the biggest company in the world that does comedy specials. I walked away from the company that did Kevin Hart, the company that did Bill Burr, Louis C.K. You name a person. You name the biggest comedians in the fucking world, okay? And this company did them. And I walked away from them six days prior because they tried to fuck me over. They tried to fuck my family over. They tried to fuck me out of money, and they lied to me. And after I said no, the amount of comedians, the amount of radio hosts, the amount of well-respected people in this business came up to me, and you would have thought, people started calling me to book me when I told these people no. And it was because it was like, no, no, listen, dude, I'm excited to do this, but you're not going to do that to me, okay? I'm going to get this done regardless. I'm going to win regardless, okay? Uh, And I'm not going to have you do it. So there you go. Don't be too nice. Isn't it sucking? That's what I say. Uh, nice guys finish last. The ones that let it do. Oh, what a great way to end it. What a great way to end it. The ones that let it do. All right. So be an asshole is the point, everybody. Be a fucking asshole to everybody. That's what you got to do. Just be a dick. Just tell people no. Somebody call you. Why are you calling me? Um, all right, guys. Let's talk about this diet of mine. That's, this is it. Um, I, I'm done with this shit because I still am hovering where I've been. I'm definitely better than I was last year. Still keeping some of the weight off. However, the one thing that I did not do in my diet, all of the times that I've talked about my diet on my show, all right, I did something that, you know, lazy dieters do and it's eat better, not drink this. I'm not doing this right now. But the one thing that I didn't do was exercise properly. And I'm acting like walking my dog is exercising. My friends are literally laughing at me when they're like, well, are you active? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I throw the ball to my son in the yard and I walk my dog. And they were like, that's not a diet, Paul. That's life. Yeah, what you're doing is life right there. You don't lose weight doing, yeah, I walk to the refrigerator when I'm hungry. I mean, that's got to, I mean, how many calories does that burn? You know, I toss and turn, <laughs> I toss and turn in my sleep. That's got to count for something. No, I am turning it around. I am going to, I have 15 pounds to go, and I feel like if I lose 15 from right now, and I know there's some big fat bastard listening to this going, ah, fuck you, 15 is nothing. It's actually harder. It's the last 15. The last 15 or 20 is the hardest because, you know, if you're 600 pounds, losing the first 100 is the easiest. All you got to do is, like, walk to the mailbox and you're sweating like an animal, you know? I, this is like the one where you got to burn it off. I got to run. I got to, you know, it's, it's time. I'm thinking about a gym membership, but I'm going to run around my neighborhood, run around my hill, do all that stuff. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Because the eating and the drinking and all that stuff that makes you better, it comes and goes too much. 
And speaking of that, my unacceptable is myself, how I ate at my sister's engagement party. By the way, shout out to my beautiful, lovely sister, Carissa, who uh, her and her uh, husband-to-be, Aramis, um, my wife, by the way, let me just talk about this. My wife is so incredible with her planning, with her organization, with her party, with her organizing party and colors and making everything match and having everything coordinate. My wife put together an engagement party for my sister at our house. Um, you know, I was at the Sony Center with Bill in Toronto Friday and Saturday. By the way, thank you guys all for the kind tweets and comments and also JFL reaching out to, to me on Twitter and, and everybody that reached out to them about me. I thank you so much to perform in that theater. 3000 is insane. Place is awesome. But I had to make sure that I got back for this party my wife was throwing for my sister's engagement party. So I had a 6 a.m. flight. Terrible flight. Thought the plane was going to crash right at takeoff because as the wheels lifted off, the plane, I'm not even joking, we were like 30 feet off the ground. And like on the right as it came up, the plane, like you looked out the window, the plane went one side and another side. And everybody was like, whoa, like it actually like teetered right off. And I was like, holy shit, man. It really freaked me out. I'm not kidding you. It really freaked me out. Wasn't a wasn't a good flight at all. Like bumpy. It was it was it was shaky. It was it, it actually scared the shit out of me. But I had and I had to get on it at six in the morning. And usually I'm not scared that early. Usually I'm so tired. I'm like whatever. I just need to sleep. Whatever. I was like not comfortable. We landed at seven thirty. I was exhausted. Got home. Had to rest for like an hour. And we're having fifty people over here. My sister, all of her girlfriends and their husbands and. Um, her boyfriend, our fiance Aramis, and all of his friends, and his dad, and all his people, and just great people here, and my wife, we had a, she hired, it was unbelievable what we did, we had this, she was like, you want to do this pizza truck, so New Haven, New Haven Pizza is famous for the, the thin crust, like, um, you know, white clam pizza, Pepe's, they're, they're, they're famous for Pepe's, which opened in New Haven, Connecticut in 1925, and I've been out there when I perform it. It's, it's amazing. And they have one in Danbury. They have one in Yonkers. And they have one at Mohegan Sun. And it's like 850 degrees in this brick oven, you know, brick oven and all that stuff. And we had a truck come to the house that had an 850 degree brick oven in it. And they're firing up these pizzas and they're bringing out different flavors and pepperoni and shrimp and goat cheese and this and asparagus and this and bacon on this and, uh, you know, sausage and mushroom. And they're just bringing out the all these things and you just walk out in a pizza truck. And then they uh, had uh, French ice cream and you could get cappuccino and espresso. And we had this whole thing in the backyard. Not to mention we had like trays of our own stuff and like appetizers and all that stuff. So it was just such a nice job that my wife did. And I'm going, well, you know what, Paul? Let's, uh, we're going to stop drinking for a while and we're going to lose weight. So I would eat a piece of prosciutto and cheese. Then I'd eat a piece of salami. Then another piece of cheese. Then another salami. Yeah, I'll try a couple of pieces of pizza. This is my mindset the whole, the whole way. Then I'll eat a couple of pieces of pizza and I'll be done. Next thing you know, oh, you got to try the, you got to try the clam pizza. So I try the clam. Oh, you got to try the spaghetti and meatball. They literally put spaghetti and meatballs on a pizza. All this shit and everything is delicious. Then they said their go-to was a peanut butter and jelly pizza. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And I tried it and it was like a hit. They say like that and the white clam is their go-to. 
the peanut butter and jelly pizza was good, but it was more of like a dessert. I was like, I don't, I don't need that shit. All right. Long story short, guys, I start drinking vodka all day. And at the end of the night, my stomach, I'm just bloated like a piece of shit. And then I don't know what got into me. We had so much leftover pizza that as I'm putting it away, we couldn't fit all of it in the refrigerator. It's one of the most unacceptable acts that I've ever done. I'm ashamed of myself. Lock me in a cage with multiple pizzas that I have to eat until I throw up. That's what I should have did. All right. And uh, you hear this fucking cat knocking on the door like a person? Um, and I just, what couldn't fit in the refrigerator, I was basically eating and then throwing out the crust. I mean, the fact that I was hammered, the fact that I switched from vodka to wine and didn't stop all day and didn't drink any water and I was absolutely hammered, that had something to do with it. But I'm just eating all different kinds. Of, and it got to the point where I was so disgusted with myself that I was like, just throw up, dude. You just, just and I actually got excited. This is how much of a fat piece of shit that I was being that night. I got excited that I can continue to eat pizza until I just hopefully threw up. And then I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. As drunk as I was, I'm like, you're not going to do that. What you're going to do is you're going to stop. You're going to drink some more. You're going to go to bed and the diet starts. And that's really what I did. So the next day, um, just, just, I'm doing good right now. I am low, low carbs, no sugar, no alcohol. Uh, so it starts, it starts again. I'm going to Hawaii next month. I want to drop eight to 10 pounds before I do it. And I'm actually gonna, I'm actually going to do that. Uh, Lord knows I'll put it on in Hawaii, but yeah, I just had to, I had to stop, had to stop and, um, you know, I'm back on it, but I'm going to start running. I ran into a funny comedian, uh, Michelle Wolf. Shout out to Michelle Wolf. She's a uh, correspondent on um, The Daily Show. She's opening for Chris Rock before, on his tour right now. But I ran into her in Toronto, and she was all lean. And I was like, did you lose weight? And she goes, yeah. And I go, what are you doing? She goes, just running. And I go, yeah, you know what? I'm starting to do that too. When I get back, I'm going to run. And I go, so how far do you run? Like, how long do you run? And um, I thought she was going to say something reasonable. And she goes, well, you know, like I definitely do like five, but sometimes 10 or 15 miles. And I, and I, and I was like, straight? She goes, yeah, I just run. And like, I was so gung-ho when she said that. I'm like, yeah, dude, please. She's probably going to run like, what, two, three miles a day is something you could build up to. That's pretty cool. She goes, yeah, like sometimes I like to get up to 15. And I was like, I, what? And it totally made me go, all right, you're not going to get that fucking lean. Like, I ain't running 15 miles. Fuck that. I remember I ran three miles straight once at a track, and I was ready to puke. Um, I guess you have to build up to it and, uh, but I go big, I go big. Like I, I, I'm the type that if I start, I'll be like, I'm going to run a marathon in two months. Um, but I'm, I'm going to run, I'm going to start to run and I'm going to start to lose weight. I have to do that because, um, uh, when you, you're, I'm in my thirties right now. And the doctor said it only gets worse as you get older and you could get to a certain weight that you drop even when you eat good, but you got to work hard to get like the rest of the shit down, like the lower belly and all that, but I'm going to do it. My best body has not yet arrived, and it will. Um, but I ate like an absolute disgusting pig who was going to the electric chair the day, and I should say the night of my sister's engagement party. I was doing good until everybody left, and then I just ate the house down. That's my unacceptable. And let's get to your guys' unacceptables. Here we go. Uh, let's see what we have. 
And if you guys would like to submit your unacceptable and have it read on the Verzi Effect, you could submit to unacceptablesfortve at gmail.com. That is unacceptablesfortve at gmail.com. Please do not write me a book. Just write something. Now, guys, they make the, um, you can write longer on Twitter. So if you have a Twitter account and you want to submit your unacceptables to Twitter, you could actually go longer and still be quick. So I'd suggest doing that. And I will read those to you as well. Um, let's see what you guys have for me this week. All right. Oh, and I don't see a bunch of Ryans here, which is good. Uh, but we got a special one. Oh, we got a special one from contributor to the show. We'll talk about that after. Harvey Gas Storage. Here we go. This is from Randy. Not a Ryan, but a Randy. Let's go. Hey, Randy. Hey, Paul, been meaning to write in about this, but uh, I've been putting it off. When Harvey hit, someone on social media started to, uh, started a scare about there being a gas shortage in Texas. As soon as it made its rounds on the internet, the pumps were packed with lines stretching down the street. That's dangerous, man. That's fucking stupid. Um, soon thereafter, stations started going dry. For five fucking days on Labor Day weekend, gas was impossible to get without waiting for at least 30 minutes in a line, as there was no guarantee that there would be any gas left when it was your, uh, as there was no guarantee, and there was no guarantee there would be any gas left when it was your turn. I heard stories of that happening to a few of my friends. People were gassing up multiple vehicles, filling up gas cans and containers that weren't approved to hold gas like trash cans, even uh, fighting on the streets. Wow, that, that's like, I remember that shit happening when you just see lines at a gas station, scary. Uh, all of this contributed to this panic that didn't end until Tuesday when everyone had to go back to work. Government officials had to make a statement that Texas wouldn't run out of gas as long as people acted normally, uh, but it was too late. The worst part about it was that my city, San Antonio, only got two inches of rain on average. All this sheep waste, oh yeah, all these sheep wasted their time for no damn crisis and made gas jump up uh, at least 60 cents. Bonus unacceptable. Gas station boosting their prices past reasonable rates. Some places were charging anywhere from 4 to $10 a gallon. Fucking greedy cunts locked them up in a tank of diesel. Thanks for the podcast and bonus Patreons. Come headline in San Antonio soon. Uh, I'll buy front row. Thank you, Randy. That is an absolutely amazing unacceptable, a perfect unacceptable. It is very unacceptable, and uh, especially around this time. And that's what the airlines did too. Other than JetBlue, who obviously sold out in two seconds, but, you know, I was talking to people that I know in Florida, and they were saying, hey, you know, uh, we would fly out, but, you know, they want $1,000 a ticket now. And JetBlue was the only people that kept their rates normal, and they sold out. It's absolutely despicable that, that they would do that. It absolutely is unacceptable. And the fact that they say a gas shortage when it was in San Antonio, I mean, I could understand people freaking out if they were in Houston, but that's, that is very unacceptable. We had a big storm here. It was the one that happened like two days before Halloween where they basically canceled Halloween because there were power lines down and you weren't allowed out um, outside. It happened. It was a storm on October 29th, like four years ago, I believe, four or five years ago. And... Um, it, it happened at such a weird time that the, the branches were just breaking because of all the weight from the rain and everything. And thing, and um, 
I remember I went, we were living in Mount Kisco at the time in Westchester and I went to a gas station and there were lines down the street both and some are like out of gas and it was really scary because you know, it makes you think like what's going to happen when the shit really hits the fan. So to cause that panic is definitely unacceptable. Thank you for the submission, uh, Randy. Appreciate it. Okay, here we go. IBS unacceptable from Kelly Meyer. Here we go. Kelly Meyer is a TVE contributor with amazing Shakespeare-like shit stories. The Shakespeare of shit himself has arrived on today's TVE episode 325. It's fitting. It's like a fitting number, 325. Um, So you people know me and Kelly never, ever plan it, ever. Not one time have I said, hey, right into this day. He will attest to that. I swear to God. You know, people come up. What's up with Kelly? What's up? Me and Kelly came down to my special. He's come down to New York to see me. He's, uh, you know, he's just, he's great. He's a, a, a top fan. He's a contributor to the show. So funny. But we never planned this. So I don't know what I'm reading right now. I honestly don't. And I like to keep it that way because I like to have a good time reading it. Um, So here we go. IBS unacceptable. This is a gross one in the subject line. Okay? Don't eat. If you're eating right now, maybe you should stop. And uh, here we go. Paul, last week my crew and I were working at a hotel in Vegas. Uh, Our last night there, we went out to dinner after work. I ate and drank like an absolute animal. Buffalo wings, mac and cheese, jalapeno poppers as the usual, <laughs> all the usual suspects and washed it down with uh, more than a few double Jack and Cokes. Oh boy, that's, that's enough to start a fire. After dinner, we hit the tables for a bit. Any money I lost was gained back through free booze. Three hours later, I was shit-faced drunk sitting with my buddy John at a blackjack table, my stomach started making ungodly noises. <laughs> it was loud and people noticed. After the third and fourth rumble, John asked if I was okay or I was about to uh, make a mess at this table. I said, nah, brother, I'm, j- I'm just digesting. Uh, you would think at this point I'd know better. I blame the booze. Oh, you're in denial still, Kelly. Uh, a half hour later, we decided to call it a night. As we stumbled towards the elevator, I came up with the best drunk idea I've ever had in my entire life. John uh, got me good on a practical joke uh, a while back, and I owed him one. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got a fart brewing, and as soon as we get in the elevator, I'm going to hotbox that bitch. <laughs> We got in the elevator. My room is on the fifth floor, and he is on 17. Perfect. I'm going to drop this ass and then light the elevator buttons up like Will Farrell in the movie Elf, and he has to spend the rest of his ride stewing in fart rape. Uh, I executed the plan perfectly, perfectly until it came time for the grand finale. I pushed with all of my might. Uh, A quick squeak of a fart was followed by straight liquid. This was the diarrhea to end all diarrheas. Uh, I was so drunk it took three seconds for me to even understand what was happening and another two seconds for me to stop pushing (laughs) and clench up. (laughs) 
for five seconds. Oh, I got tears in my eyes. Oh my God. For five seconds, I pushed shit out of my ass as hard as I could on the elevator while another human being was present. Let that sink in. John asked, did you just shit? I yelled no at the top of my lungs and he knew I was lying. The doors opened on five. I got off without saying another word and ran to my room all the while feeling what was running down my legs. I went into the bathroom, dropped my pants, and assessed the damage. Everything from the waist down was beyond saving. (laughs) I had to throw away my boxers, my jeans, even my socks. I put all the clothes in one of the hotel dry, uh, dry cleaning bags. And later that night, I took it downstairs and threw it out in the uh, in one of the casino bathrooms. There's more to this story I can't share on TVE uh, because it is so disgusting. It even crosses my personal line of self-deprecating humor. I think it's time to get a prescription. Unacceptable. You nailed it on Patreon. NFL Trump edition, 100%. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. That is a great one. Uh, but I got to tell you, Kelly, you got to learn, dude jalapeno poppers and mac and cheese in your condition you know i have diverticulosis that's like me eating popcorn and thinking my stomach's not gonna feel like i've been stabbed i don't know if you guys know what diverticulosis is my my intestines can't really digest like the hard kernels or like certain seeds and uh when that goes in my system i feel like i'm literally being stabbed and the older you get with it my father has it and like the older you get with it if you eat it you could literally get into the hospital and things could get caught i actually had surgery major surgery on my stomach when i was 23 years old because something got caught and i had to have it removed uh there was an infection in there uh but i've learned kelly and apparently you have not buffalo wings mac and cheese jalapeno poppers and double jack and cokes all night in vegas with your intestines is like I mean, oh my God, dude, that's hilarious that you, that you hit all the buttons and screamed no. Um, but thank you for the submission as always. Uh, I'm glad that I did not eat my lunch yet. Uh, so thanks again. Kelly Meyer, the Shakespeare of shit, everybody. Here we go. Annoying boss. This one is from Levi and Levi. Nice. We got some new ones here or some haven't, you know, no, not 50 Ryan's. Uh, Hey Paul, hope all is well and sorry for the length. No, this one's not bad. I have two boss unacceptables. Uh, one, uh, on one particular workday, I noticed a box of Krispy Kreme donuts on the office common area table. Uh, keep in mind, my boss's, my boss's office overlooks the office common area. So uh, he can see all that goes on there. I open the box and notice that there's only one donut left. I don't like getting the last donut because I'm thinking other people have touched it. So I leave it and go back to my desk. uh, Seconds later, my boss rushes in my cubicle and tells me that there is one donut left in the box in the common area. Knowing that he saw me look in the box and leave it uh, to go back to my desk. And leave to go back to my desk. I'm thinking, what the fuck, dude? You're not going to catch me with porn on my screen, so stop it with the invasion of privacy. Uh, about a week later, they are doing repairs to RAC units in the large office building I work in. However, our office wing still had AC. My boss again rushes into my cubicle and asks me if everything is okay with my workspace. Keep in mind, we are all in the same area and it's nice and cool. I sarcastically say, yes. Is it warm in your area? To this, he says, no, 
Then he makes some lame excuse about the higher-ups wanting to know about the work conditions in each area of the building. I'm thinking, dude, you're not going to catch me with non-work-related content on my computer screen. Lock this untrusting, micromanaging fuck in a cage with no AC and an empty box of donuts. Love the podcast, uh, and thanks for turning me into uh, me onto Narcos. We have a cigar bar in Pensacola, Florida now, so you could come down uh, and do a show at our Sanger Theater. Nice, sometime in the near future, Levi. Thank you, man. Thanks for the um, submission. And uh, I think that you, I think that your boss is weird, dude. Like the fact that he, here's the question that I would have is, does he do it to other people or does he keep doing it to you? Because that is weird. And that would make me be like, dude, what, what's going on here? Uh, this one is from Jack, Science Egos. Hey, Verzi, been a while, still loving your stuff. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, writing in about last week's little rant on Stephen Hawking predicting the end of the world. I totally agree with what you said and also want to add that the main reason I didn't listen to this guy is because he's not even a biologist or a chemist, but a uh, a physicist. Okay? So, wait a minute. Yeah, so he's not a biologist or a chemist, but a physicist took my dumbass five times to spell that right. Uh, sure, this guy understands all science better uh, than you or me, but to go outside of the area that he spent most of his life studying to make some bullshit guesses about the apocalypse is uh, bang out of order. Dude needs to take a step back, wink, wink, uh, chill that ego and stay out of things that he doesn't uh, specialize in, just like the rest of us dopes. All the best to you. Uh, The lady, kids, cats, and dog, keep up the good work with, uh, keep up the good work, you big Jersey biatch. Uh, thank you, Jack. I agree a hundred percent. And I also think it's irresponsible. I really do. Um, I think it's irresponsible to, to make people listen. There's definitely problems in the world. You know, there's definitely certain places with water. I get that overpopulation. I get that, you know, but to say to people that in a hundred years is the end of the world, um, you know, that's if go back in history and look about how that's been said. You know, they said that about they they've said that many times. They said, Oh, the end of the world is gonna be here, the, the apocalypse is gonna be here, the apocalypse is gonna be here. And to have great minds say that when they're like older or on their way out, you know, it's just fucking irresponsible. And like I said, it's always just enough time they say it where they can't be called out for their wrong bullshit. You know, they're going to be gone, but think about it. A hundred years from now, everybody's going to be gone. So nobody's going to be able to be like, no, there's going to be somebody else who's going to do it. You know, instead of predicting that shit, and I know they want to make, maybe they, they're doing it to make things better, but you don't know that. You can, honest to God, because what about NASA? What about NASA saying that we have about a hundred thousand years or like whatever it was, or it's either a hundred thousand years or a couple of million years when the earth is really going to be gone because something's going to hit it. And they are predicting that from where the rocks are in space now. So it's like, who's right? You know, who's right? But some, some fucking regular human guy who happens to be smart and studied goes, yeah, we're going to be done in a hundred years. You can't say that it's irresponsible to say, and it's irresponsible to say that shit without facts. That cause, cause 100%, this is 100%. We could all agree on that is not a hundred percent fact. The, the earth being gone and the apocalypse happening in 100 years from now is not a 100% fact. If they have things that they're calculating that could happen that looks like it's leaning that way, that's fine. But that's not a fact. It scares people. You have children. I just don't like it. Thank you for the unacceptable. Uh, here we go. Let's see what else. 
And it's not a naive thing. You know, everybody fucking gets it. We can read, we understand what's going on. But to say it from a guy like that, whatever. Uh, ODB dog pissing. Jason Burr, unacceptable. ODB Jr., dog pissing, touchdown celebration. What the fuck flag? We're going to talk about that, Jason. We are definitely going to talk about that. You're absolutely right. And I want to talk about the NFL because it's in a bad way right now. It really is. Uh, Let's see here. Movie experience during the movie It. This is from uh, Jesus. Jesus Bravo Rios. That's a great name to say. Um, Hey, Paul, big fan of your work. And this is my second time writing to you. Two weeks ago, I went to go see the movie It with my sister. Uh, We go the whole nine yards uh, like yourself. Popcorn, drinks, and candy. Uh, Whenever I go to the movies, I get a little bit of anxiety because unless you have some friends uh, are all going to be taken up the entire row, you don't know who the fuck you're going to be. Yes, who you're going to end up sitting next to. You're right. Uh, At our theater, you get to pick uh, your seats. Uh, It isn't first come, first serve. During the movie trailers, I saw some dude in crutches make his way over to where I was sitting. I didn't really think anything about... Uh, about even when he sat down next to me. No problem. He came with a hot chick and I heard his voice and noticed that it was extremely feminine. Um, Coming to the conclusion that he's a gay dude, again, no problem. Here's where I do have a fucking problem. During the duration of the trailers and the first half of the fucking movie, this chicken shit of a man proceeds to say, Oh my God. I don't know why I'm acting a gay guy. Oh my God. (laughs) During any slightly intense scene, as well as come, uh, as some light commentary, like anybody gives a fuck about what he has to say. Uh, I got so mad, uh, at one point that I actually visualized myself hitting the guy square in the face, but I gave him a look and he got the picture and proceeded to tone it down. Paul, this guy had to be, uh, 5'10 and 165, and I'm 6'3, 290. Not a fat slob. I love working out. I would have obliterated this guy. <laughs> Laugh out loud. <laughs> Lock this guy, uh, <laughs> Pennywise the clown in a cage, and throw away the fucking key. Now his oh my gods will finally be <laughs> used in, in an appropriate manner. Love the podcast and your uh, and your stand up special uh, which I bought. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. That's great. That's great. And I don't want to give it away, but I do a bit in my special about how gay guys get away with anything and they can say anything and nobody says anything because they're so over the top. So this really made me laugh. And I actually say a line that says oh my god. So this is actually crazy to me. Um, thank you so much. Awesome submission. And I uh, hope you did get a chance to enjoy the movie, even though that was going on. That's awesome. Uh, here we go. Last one. Referee should drive the bus from Anthony. Hey, Paul, a uh, big Texas Aggie fan. So here's my unacceptable for the week. Uh, referee do tons of training. So, uh, that should have, uh, been wheat. Uh, so that should have weeded out this bullshit. What do you think? Thanks for the show. Hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, Let me see here. You sent something on Twitter to me. I will look at it right here. Uh, uh, I never stepped out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's bullshit. He showed me something where the guy was running, never stepped out of bounds on a 90-yard, ever. 
His feet are in the entire time, and the referee is right there, and the referee called him out at about the 10-yard line, and he ran in for a touchdown, and uh, they called it back. And you're absolutely right, and the visual is just, it's actually amazing how they got that wrong because it's so blatant. And uh, I got to tell you, this is a great segue because going back to what's going on in the NFL, college football, college football is really taking a step up. Uh, thank you all for your submissions for the Unacceptables. That was awesome. They were great. Had some new people. Uh, Kelly Meyer sent one in. Um, all the people that I haven't heard from, great job. You guys want to send them Unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. Uh, it's a great transition, guys. I want to talk about what's going on in the NFL. Forget the kneeling and forget the the, the anthem thing because that's going to go away. That's, that's you know, protests and all that, that's going to eventually go away. Uh, it is in a bad way because a lot of people are boycotting football because of that. A lot of people who feel that Colin Kaepernick should have a job and, and all that, and they feel um, that they're boycotting. So there's people that are boycotting. There's there's people that it's just boycotts going on everywhere, which is not good for the league. But the league also, um, you know, came up with this. Now you could celebrate because ratings were down, which I'm all for. You know, I'm all for a guy catching a touchdown, doing a dance. I think fans get a kick out of that. I think the creative celebrations are great. You know, one of the great ones last week was the guy in Jacksonville because they played in London, and he got a touchdown. And one of the guys acted like the guards outside the castle that have to show no emotion when people try to make them, you know. And uh, I thought that that was awesome and clever and funny, and they're in London. And then, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, Giannis and I have gotten into, like, not arguments, but Giannis is under the impression, my buddy Giannis Pavis, hilarious comedian, he's under the impression that Odell should be traded and is a big problem. Or, you know, he's, and I'm like, listen, let's let's not get crazy, let's see what happens. But I got to tell you something. After the thing in Miami, which I didn't think is a big deal, but just the fact that it's going to cause a distraction, um, just the, the, you know, the way that he acts, the, then he had the bad game in Green Bay, you know, throwing the helmet last year at the game I was at for 15 yards. Now he acts like a dog pissing, and the, the owner got fed up with it. And it's just getting to the point where it's like you've done nothing winning-wise. You've done nothing. You know, I'll sit here and I'll, I'll go at the Cowboys and I'll talk about all these people that act like they should have something when they've won nothing. Odell Beckham Jr., I love him. My son loves him. We love watching him. He's one of the most explosive wide receivers. The guy hasn't won anything yet. And the one playoff game he was in, he laid a fucking egg. I mean, he, he, put, he left points on the board. At least 10 himself. Or at least, you know, a touchdown in a big playoff game in Green Bay that Eli was on fire. And even after the half, it was only a one-point game. That game was 14-13 after the half. And I know those people at Lambeau were scared. And Eli is sharp as hell. Shepard drops a pass in the end zone. You know, uh, ODB drops a pass, you know, for, a, for at least to be in field goal range on a first down. And then a touchdown dropped. You know, so it's like all of these different things that this guy's doing. And now he's getting fined and he's getting flagged by doing, you know, they fucked, they made it legal. They made it legal and you're still getting a 15-yard penalty. You used to get a penalty if you just celebrated. Now they're saying, go ahead and celebrate. But you can't act like you're pissing. You can't put your leg up like you're a dog. It's like, what are you doing? The fuck are you doing, man? It's just, I don't understand these people. Are they just dumb? Are, they, are these just dumb kids? It's just, you get to the point where it's like, you guys haven't won shit. You're 0-2. Now you're 0-3. 
You were in a dogfight in a division rival, and you get a 15-yard flag. And I just, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. So I love the dude. And if I met that guy, I would tell him, dude, you are one of the most exciting, best wide receivers I've ever seen. I've never seen hands like yours ever. You know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I like this guy, and I don't want him to go. I want him to stay. <clears throat> I just want him to calm down and stop doing stupid things, and I want him to win. That's all. That's all. I think he's a good guy. I think he's just stupid right now, just not making good decisions. Um, and it's annoying because it's like if you keep your mouth shut, like Antonio Brown on Pittsburgh, he has great, you know, great numbers. He, you know, he's got funny, he's got funny dances. He's into it, but he just, you know, it's it's he's not getting flagged. You can't get 15-yard flags when you're owing whatever, not winning anything, and haven't won a playoff game. And that's making people go away from the NFL. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's flags. It's, it's just, everything is bad. The game's not good right now. The, the scoring is down. It's just, you know, it's just, the NFL is in a bad way right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I agree with Jason who wrote into the, for the unacceptables that like, that is an unacceptable to get 15 yards when you're like, your team hasn't won a game. You know, if I'm a coach, and I'll tell you something, it's Ben McAdoo's fault. You know, Ben McAdoo's concerned with his stupid haircut. This guy went from looking like a 1976, like, Marlboro cigarette truck driver to now a fucking slick, slick back. It's just stupid. The guy's face and hair is annoying me now. And I know that's a stupid thing to be mad at, but no, when you're, look, when you're an angry sports fan and you're losing, you got to pick things that bother you. And if it happens to be a coach's mustache or his hair slicked back, then that's what you go to. <laughs> right. You know? And how's the other thing? How's everybody doing with that without Tom Coughlin? You think Tom Coughlin's team wouldn't have discipline like this? McAdoo's afraid to say anything to Odell. You think Tom Coughlin would have been? No. All you, all you Giants fans who don't like Tom Coughlin or wanted him out, watch, you see. Because I tell you what, Tom Coughlin, the one thing his team's had is discipline. All the guy did was win. Jacksonville's winning now because he's there. He's part of that Jacksonville thing, and, and it has to do. It all comes from that shit. So, um, yeah, it's just Ben McAdoo is, is, is a big part of the problem. Lack of discipline, penalties and all that stuff, you just can't have it. Watch Odell, like, win the next five games in a row for us. And I'm like, I always, no, I did. I always did believe in the guy. He just drives you nuts with his head. He's a head case. Why are all talented people head cases? You notice that? All talented people. It's something. It's weird. It really is weird. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm a head case, guys. I'm not a head ca- I'm not nuts. I'm not out of my mind. I'm just like... Burr always says I'm out of my mind. I'm not out of my mind. I'm just... I'm just very... Um, yeah, I'm a little fucked up. What are you going to do? Now... Switching from one sport that's doing bad to another that I think is doing better is baseball. And for a lot of reasons. One, I think steroids, I mean, who knows? Some people are saying they're on steroids. Some people are saying the ball is juiced. But you haven't heard much about steroids, and I know they're doing testing. Um, I mean, I'm sure the guys are on supplements. I'm sure they're doing stuff. But I think now if you're doing something, it's all within the within the legal boundaries, I would imagine you're not going to be that dumb. I would imagine that with everything that happened with baseball, that's not going to happen again. Uh, so 
So I think a lot of young kids playing. The Yankees are coming back. I think that does help. I think I think the Yankees making a, a comeback is good for baseball. I think the Cubs winning last year after a hundred and some odd years of not winning, that's good. So the Cubs are good again. The Dodgers are good. A lot of big marquee cities, big teams are are doing well. I think that that's good for baseball. Um, and yeah, I just think that I think that it's it's good. I think it's coming back. I'm excited. We're gonna watch the Yankees playoff game, and we're ahead of schedule. Even if we lose, it's been fun. But it's just like it's better. It's more it's more pure. And I feel like the steroid thing got me out of it. And then the when Cano left, that killed me because he's my favorite. But I'm back, and I think that the uh, Yankees being in the playoffs and all this stuff is awesome. Uh, I hope football changes. I do. Uh, I think that, you know, I hope everything changes. I hope everything changes in the country. I hope people could get on the same page, and I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, look, what the president did was was divisive. There's no way to say that it wasn't, you know, and 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 it sucks. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you why would you alienate people and say that? Like, I just don't understand why you don't just, you know. Go fucking send some food to Puerto Rico and, like, we'll concentrate on that. And, like, don't worry about the silent protests of, of, of you know, NFL players. It's a battle you can't win. It's a battle you're not going to win. Why do it? It's just silly to me, you know? And I hope that that goes away, and I hope the NFL gets fun again. I'm not saying that because the Giants are bad. I'm really not. I'm saying it just because, like, that's why numbers are down. Like, do you know that it sucks that, like, people are boycotting one of the greatest things to watch on Sunday? It's a problem. Uh, but here's what I am pissed about. You want to talk about not winning? Forget the Giants 0-3, everybody. Me and my son's fantasy football league. Do you realize how crazy this made me? If Brandon Marshall catches two passes in the game last week, two passes, if our number two receiver at the time, because Odell was out, catches two passes in an NFL game, me and my son win. He only catches one, and he dropped one. If Jason Witten catches two passes, okay, he's gotten like 8 to 11 in the first two games. If he catches two passes in the game that was last week, two, me and my son win the game. He catches one. Uh, I, we, I've lost the last two weeks of fantasy football because marquee players on offense didn't catch two balls. It is the most frustrating thing. We went in down two and a half points with Jason Witten starting at, at, and I'm going, oh, this is done. He catches one pass for three yards that gains 1.3 points. And I've never in my life rooted for the Cowboys to throw to that guy like I did. I am pissed. And I'm not a fantasy football guy, so I don't know. Does that mean that I drafted wrong or I'm unlucky? One of the two things. Because I would be, yeah, I would be two and one. I would be 2-1 and one easily, maybe 3-0, and oh. and these awful things. I guess I'm just going to have to write it out. Drove me nuts, and here's the thing. There's no money involved. It's for the kids. It's literally for the children. My son doesn't look at it. He doesn't care. He just, oh, Dad, how's our fantasy team doing? And I'm like, I am on the computer like a fucking scientist trying to figure out how to get a win. He could give a shit. He could care less. Doesn't even look at it. I, I have to be like, oh, Lucas, look. We need three points tonight. 
you know, if Jason Witten, our tight end, catches two passes, we're winning, baby. We're winning. You know that's going to happen. Catches one for 1.3. I mean, I can't. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm taking this shit way too seriously. I don't know why I get involved with things because I can't. When I'm involved in something, I have to win at it. I have to be good at it. And if I'm not, it drives me nuts. And now I'm, I, the, the, my success is in the hands of millionaires who could care less that some comedian in Westchester has them on their fantasy team. Uh, I have not seen any movies, guys. But I am very excited when I saw pictures of them on the set of The Irishman. So I don't know if you people know this, but uh, it looks like the gang got back together again. Martin Scorsese, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino are doing one more gangster mafia movie and it's going to be called The Irishman. And what The Irishman is about is The Irishman is about uh, Jimmy Hoffa's uh, a hitman that uh, Jimmy Hoffa hired, I guess, or whatever. Or this guy was a hitman. Uh, and his nickname was, I think, Frank uh, Sharon or whatever. And his nickname was The Irishman. And uh, he is going to be played by De Niro, the head mob boss who hires him and uses him, is going to be played by Pesci. Jimmy Hoffa is going to be played by um, Al Pacino. And this guy, the Irishman, is the guy that killed, and he's on record doing it. He told, he said it on his deathbed. He is the guy that killed Jimmy Hoffa. And he said the reason why he killed Jimmy Hoffa was because if he didn't, they would have killed him. So that's, that's, what, that's, what the, uh, that's what they're saying about the Irishman. And I saw pictures of it. It's going to be... Like Netflix gave him like a hundred million dollars to make it, and it's gonna be coming out on Netflix. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I think it's gonna be awesome, and I'm looking forward to it. So um, that one is one where you, I could promise you, you're gonna hear that review. I was gonna go see the movie It, and then I'm like, I'm not. I, I'm gonna wa- wait. I'm waiting. I'm not gonna go see It until it's in the. Uh, I'm not gonna go see It until it's until I could get it at my house. I'm just not. I just don't feel like you know. A clown in the sewer. I mean, I get it, but what are we doing over here? Like, I, I got to do that on my couch. I can't. Am I going to get in my car and go drive? I just can't. <laughs> I can't bring myself to do that. Um, and I don't know what else. is. There. Like, there's nothing else in there that I have to go and see. And it's hard to go to the movies now because of everything that's good on Netflix. I got, you know, I got... Oh, and I think I told you guys, I've conceded to the fact that I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. My brother put some of the first episodes on my laptop, so I'm going to be sitting there watching that. I'm going to watch it on my way uh, flying to Hawaii, and I'm going to start getting into the Game of Thrones. Um, So there you have it. So that's where I'm at with movies and watching stuff on TV. Uh, Let me get into the plugs, guys. Tomorrow night, this Friday, tomorrow night, September 29th, I will be performing at the Borgata uh, in Atlantic City. Come and check that out. Uh, Great casino, great time. I'll be with my buddies down there, so we're going to have a good time. Uh, on October 28th, I will be at Laugh It Up Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie, New York. That's right. Poughkeepsie near the water uh, in the back of Mahoney's. It's a big, awesome room. I will be performing there on October 28th, so you could check that out. For more dates, I'll also be at Dangerfields this month. I'll be at The Stand. I'll be at New York Comedy Club. I'll be uh, Stand Up New York, I believe, coming up, so you guys could check me out. 
Uh, go to my website, paulverzi.com. You're going to get some updates on, uh, you know, when and where the special will be going. That's coming all in the next few weeks. And uh, for more uh, podcasts, uh, go to Patreon. Patreon, you can get more content of the Verzi Effect. Uh, subscribe for $3 uh, a month. You will get a minimum of one extra, I mean, uh, one extra podcast, sometimes two, but you'll get videos, you'll get stuff. And I'm starting to throw a lot of stuff in there now. Um, just did one with uh, Bobby Kelly, just did one with Bill Burr, and uh, more is coming. So uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 325. Please check out Chassis for Men, guys. Premium body powder. Man care for down there. Your balls will never be fresher. Promise you. Chassisformen.com, Amazon. Check out City Living Dog um, and All Things Comedy. You guys are the best. Until the next one, I am out of here.